0: What can be really helpful is communication. That's the number one fear, that you might not like what you see.
1: Marriage, health, like life outside of work and business is so sacred and important.
2: One of my favorite boundaries is standing up for myself. Knowing who
3: I am, knowing my worth, and valuing that you have to learn how to hold your boundaries in those social situations. If you keep letting people run you over, you're never going to accomplish your goals. And like, that's not real self-care. What can be really helpful
0: is communication, right? Is just verbalizing. Because when we don't when we're not telling someone directly, you know, when you don't go to your partner Tom or, or your friend even, and when you're not describing to them, you know, I'm I'm on a journey, I'm you know, going through some things, I might start to show up differently, I might I might need a little more space. Now you're you're letting them in. You're allowed, you're at least giving them a version or a meaning that they could choose to accept the next time you actualize on that, mm. the next time you're not available for Sunday brunch oh, right, Lisa told me she's not going to be brunching. She's, you know, on some new diet. I don't know. But okay, that's why Lisa's not here. That might relieve that person as opposed to you not saying anything and you just removing yourself or becoming more distant. It's not not that I'm saying the conversation is easy to have, of course, sure. though, instead of just actioning on it, like, you'll feel my pull away. And then when I'm not at brunch, if I didn't tell you why, now your mind is going to do it all of our minds do. It's going to imagine the reason. So now you're leaving that person to imagine their own reasons about what they're probably definitely going to feel is going on. So I think one of the best things that we can do, though it's not easy to do so, some of these conversations are very difficult. I've had to have very difficult conversations with my family in particular. Back when I started to put up boundaries, I had to start to Directly, you know, tell my sister, my mom, like things that I was willing to do, not willing to do anymore. And that was hard. Though I at least gave them my version of events so that the next time when I wasn't available to them the way I said I wasn't going to be, they could hear the why. And for those of us that love us, you know, for the many around us that love us, over time, they can begin to accept that, hopefully. It's difficult because, like I said, a lot of times it means them changing it means them experiencing you differently it might mean them not having that role that used to play for them mm-hmm. performed anymore and they might need to find somewhere else to go with that need that doesn't mean it's a bad thing
4: yeah God and them not maybe accepting you
0: that would be a tough one but because- a lot of it I mean every anytime we sh- begin to show shed the conditioned layers and show more and more aspects of our true self, and especially those of us who experience rejection or abandonment, I mean, that's the number one fear that you might not like what you see. Mm-hmm. So I can say, don't blow in the face, I'm going to be this new person. And then, Lisa, when I show up as this new person, I, I feel very vulnerable because there's always the possibility that you might reject this new thing you're seeing that I'm doing or saying or being.
4: Yeah, that's yeah, that's super freaking tricky, but I definitely think that we can't allow that to impact how we show up. Mm-hmm. Because then it just goes back to how we first started, right? The self-sabotage yes. of yes. um holding on to something is going back to actually meaning and feeling, right? You're holding on to maybe a feeling or a meaning that you had with this person, whether it's your partner, a friend or something. And I think sometimes we hold so hold on so tight to it that we then don't act in accordance to our goals, our dreams, the
0: person we want to be. Yes, I, I, I pretty much, I mean, you're, you're summing up the choices, my vetting yes. point for choices. Right. I would run everything that I was going to say or do personally and professionally through the lens of what effect will this have on the receiver? Right. Right. And I got so good at that, that before <laughs> I know it, like I was saying earlier, there was no stop of, well... What do I want to say? Right. And what effect would this have on me not saying it in this way? I didn't even consider that that was a step because I was so I trained myself, my environment, right, resulted in my training to just worry about the receiving. And I'm not to say to be insensitive. No. I'm always listening, especially on social media like you and I were talking before. I'm always listening, observing how my messages are landing with the hopes to tweak my language, to tweak the way I'm sending the message or speaking it to allow it to be received. However, the reality is on the receiving end that we all are playing. We're all having those, we're all subjective. We're all filtering it through <laughs> our past experiences, right? And we could really set ourselves up, um, do a lot of disservices around needs and need expression if we're constantly just worrying about how will this land? Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're gonna surprise ourselves or the person. All the things we imagined that they were gonna say or do when we expressed ourselves in this new way a lot of times it never happens. So first, we'll define boundaries. What are boundaries?
5: Boundaries is where I end and where you begin, right? Our boundaries are right here. And boundaries more like to think more about just day to day, like this is what I'm willing to share, this is what I'm not. This is what I'm willing to give, this is what I'm not. It's knowing who you are and what you're willing to put on the table with a given person or in a given relationship. And boundaries are changeable. They're malleable. They change with people, they change with time, they change with circumstance. to know your own boundaries, you have to be comfortable enough with yourself to really feel in real time what you're comfortable doing versus not. Okay. So why is it that women sometimes can have a hard time setting boundaries? Because women like to be pleasers. Women like to give. Women are the matriarchs, the ones, you know, the givers of society. They're the ones taking care of their husband, of their families, of children, of companies. And so it could be harder for them to say no. Inherent in the concept of boundaries is this concept of saying no. You know, like, and because at the end of the day, a boundary is a no. Mm-hmm. It's like you can come this close, but not this close. This close, but not this close. And so, historically in society, men say no, women say yes. Mm. Obviously, not always. We have a whole #u2 movement. There's sure. a whole issue with that. But more historically and culturally, there's that's kind of where it comes from. And that, that's I think why women more often
4: have trouble. I think that people, at least for me, find it the most difficult to set boundaries that with people that are the closest to me. Mm-hmm. Um. How do people start to do that? Yeah. And so this is the interesting thing with boundaries, right?
5: We think that if we set a boundary is going to push someone away, Right. it's actually the exact opposite. It's like the old adage, good fences make good neighbors. The stronger your boundaries, the closer you can get to somebody. If my boundaries are strong, I don't mind getting close to you. I don't mind even getting really close to you when I need to, because I'm not afraid that you're somehow going to disrupt my identity, disrupt my sense of who I am, mess up my life. I know that I could say no. And I know that I could say, this is how much I can give and not more. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know that, then you keep giving and giving and giving until you're drained and lost and have nothing left to give. And that's why boundaries are actually essential, especially when you're doing work similar to what you're doing, which is like giving light all the time. And especially for healers, boundaries are so essential. That's why in physicians, there's such a burnout epidemic because they can give and give and give. Mm. And it's hard to know when to say, I can't give anymore. I'm like, I'm done especially for powerful women. Mm. Setting no is so crucial because you're powerful. You have a ton of energy. You can do all those things, right? Probably and more, but it's the question, do you want to? Mm. And is that serving your highest good given where you are in life, what you want to be doing and what you need to be able to balance all the things that are important in your life, which are all the things that you do for your mm. friends, career, et cetera, but also your marriage, yourself, your, you know, relationship with just the higher, whatever your higher sense of You know, purpose is. Yeah. So, what would it be? The same technique in setting boundaries with strangers. I think often people find have an easier time saying no to strangers Mm. than they do to people because I think you're exactly right. It's the people that are closest to us that it's the hardest to say no to sometimes, but that's also the most important thing. That's the most important negotiation of boundaries. Boundaries also between mothers and daughters and mothers and sons and between spouses and in a way it's like the question that you're asking when you're setting a boundary is how close is too close, how far is too far? are always doing this delicate dance. And like with some, you know, like a mother-daughter can be mm. too close sometimes, it doesn't feel right, then they move a little further, too far, not right, and so it's a delicate dance. Okay, this feels just right. When we're this close and spend this much time together and confide in each other about this much stuff, that feels really, really good. And then, you know, the daughter gets a little older, the they can confide in each other a little bit more, and a little bit more, the boundaries change. And so it's that constant dance that you're doing with the people close to you.
4: So what if you have a boundary and it's someone that's close to you and they have a boundary, but they don't meet each other? That happens a lot. That happens like
5: with a woman dating a new man. And she's like, I really just want to know more. I want to like know everything. I want him to bear a soul. And he's like, not interested. Mm. I'm just not there yet with you. I don't feel comfortable. I don't trust you. Or that I just don't think of the world in that way. I don't have much more to bear. I've told you everything. You know, she's like, no, but there must be more. No, but I've told you everything. And so that's really the other thing is finding people whose boundaries are compatible with yours.
4: Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So you give an example of Andrea, I believe her name is in the book about boundaries, Mm -hmm. the mother and daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that fascinating because specifically mother and daughter as well. Because when I think about who has the hardest boundaries, it it probably, at least for me, it feels like it would be mother and daughter. I mm-hmm. actually don't have that with my mom. Yeah. My mom's really good at boundaries. Yeah. Um, I set them and she's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but why do you think that that is? Oh, definitely. I think um, in that
5: particular case, it's based on a patient. It's based loosely on a patient mm. of mine. And that mother had her daughter very early Her daughter became her whole identity. Watching her daughter grow up, she identified with her daughter. Her daughter's successes were her successes. Her daughter's failures were her failures. She was living her own life out. In, and actually, it was a life she never had because she had a daughter so young, and so she identified so closely with her daughter that it choked her daughter almost. Mm. Her daughter didn't have room to breathe, and so when her daughter had a breakup, her mom was more upset about the breakup than her daughter. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she felt like she always had to be walking on eggshells because mom had such strong emotional responses to what was going on in, you know, the daughter's life. So the boundaries there were just too, they were Mm. too permeable. We needed the boundaries to be tighter there. And so it was the mother who was my patient. So we worked with her of how can I loosen my boundaries? How can I give my daughter the freedom that she needs to live her life, to spread her wings and fly without being so affected by the ups and downs? How can I know she's gonna be okay even if I'm not there with her constantly?
4: Mm. Even if she makes mistakes, even if she has breakups, even if she does things that I don't want her to do. Well, in that situation, the mother clearly recognized then that the relationship wasn't healthy but what if you're the daughter and the mother thinks the the relationship is exactly how it should be i have a lot of cases like that and it's really hard for children
5: because they want mom's love and if the boundaries are too solid mom's love gets taken away and then they feel you know themselves flailing so that definitely happens but it's also the children starting to own their own power Mm. and recognizing that this is what they need to do in order to own you know their own lives that they can't be controlled by what mom believes, what dad believes,
4: they have to step into their own sense of adulthood and be who they really are. Yeah, because my mom's amazing. Like, she, mm-hmm. did, she's very good at boundaries. And, you know, she, yeah. if I say something, she absolutely hears it and takes it mm-hmm. in. But um, especially in the Greek community, the yeah. mothers do live for their children. And it usually is, oh, you don't love me anymore. Like, it becomes, like, such a big thing about, like, love and how you don't value them anymore. Like, that can be quite traumatizing as the, the child to hear. And I've seen people then go, it's just not worth it. Like, how do you, what do you suggest people do in those situations? It's really, really hard. And it
5: just, now now that you say that, makes me think about a few Greek families that I work with, which, and it's (laughs) just, it's it's exactly (laughs) what you're describing, very, very much so. And I feel like in those cases, because, Rarely in those cases do the daughters want to just extricate from the family. No, right. they want to be close to mom right. and dad. Mom and dad's love means so much because mm-hmm. mom and dad also give so, so much and are loving and doting and caring. And you don't and, want to And just, you get that. I've given yes. my life up for you. Of course. You. course, I've heard, of course. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And in many ways they have. Right. It's true. That's their perspective. That's how they view things. Right. But... Just because mom has given her life up for you doesn't mean that then you have to give your life up for mom. Right, it's a little different. What you're gonna do is you're gonna give your life up if you so choose, and in whatever ways, right, for you, for your child, Mm -hmm. and them for their child, and you know, vice versa, if Mm -hmm. you so choose. It's more one of those generational things as opposed to, it doesn't exactly go back and forth. Mm. You know, yeah, so it's hard. And you didn't force mom to give her life up for you. (laughs) you know? And that's often, um, the patients comeback. so like, I didn't ask you to do this, that was your choice. So oftentimes the children then just have to set their boundaries Mm. and hope that the parents, you know, are able to accept those boundaries and slowly over time assimilate. And as always, you know, part of my therapy is always kind of a spiritual system. Whatever you set your boundaries, you also pray that the other person's able to accept it, to assimilate it, to step into the best version of themselves and into their higher self, Mm. to be able to kind of own that, to to take that boundary, not as a sign of rejection, but as a welcoming and opportunity to step into a higher version of themselves.
6: But I will say this, that I learned that those people cannot have access to certain parts of my person. Mm. Um, You know, not every person in your family can feed you. Not every person in your family can help you promote growth Mm. and to create an environment for you to incubate hope. Some people are blowing your candle out while you're trying to get the flame going, Mm. right? And so to understand that like if I'm writing a book and I have someone who doesn't think that I'm smart or thinks that it's silly, no one's gonna buy your book, then I can't talk to my, to, about my book to them to really understand based off of my interactions and engagements, what boundaries I need, even when it comes to family, because it does hurt to have someone who's supposed to be in your corner tell you that you shouldn't be in the fight in the first place. And there's, I'll tell you this, there's even a way where someone can tell you that I don't think this is your fight without damaging you in the process, right? Because not everyone has to agree with you. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. having yes men, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about people who know how to even steer you in a different direction with grace and kindness in your heart and soul and mind. Yet people who are just like that brutally honest, I don't believe in that. I don't think that's cute. Being brutally, you can be honest without being brutal because Mm. at the end of the day, there's a person connected to it. And so really understanding who in my family is qualified to help me with this part of my Mm. life, who is just a great babysitter, Mm. (laughs) who makes the best potato salad and to be able to categorize them properly is really important.
4: I love that so much because just because you make an amazing potato salad doesn't mean that you've got a great idea about my business strategy. No, no. but I cannot wait to see you at the cookout. <laughs> That's really important, actually, because I think that if we respect people, yeah. it then at least for me, if I respect someone, I used to think, oh, well, it means I have
6: to listen to them. Right, right. And all you have to do really is make sure that they feel like they had got their voice out, but you don't have to take what they say and make it a part of your decision-making, especially when you know that you've got something that no one's really going to understand but you for a minute. Like when I created Woman Evolve, I was like, I want to create a space where people who know the lyrics to Beyonce's songs (laughs) and love Megan Thee Stallion, but also, also, want to figure out a little bit about scripture could come together <laughs> like, and, and really figure out like who, who am I how do I come through my past traumas and mistakes and how do I show up in the world and there was really nothing like it at least nothing that I had been exposed to that looked like that and it seemed a little crazy when we were planning our pre-shows and what the content was going to be like and yet there was this space that was just for me if I would have told someone who only believed in traditional models of faith or only only uh, believed in traditional expressions of women's ministry, then they would have told me that you can't do this and you can't do that. And I would have maybe listened and missed out on the opportunity to be exposed to places and spaces that I should have never been in. Mm-hmm. But um, because I dared to believe and dared to incubate that thing and to keep boundaries around it, I've been able to, to really experience some transformation for people.
7: First of all, my attention, I have ADD, so I want to do everything. Everything seems like a great idea uh, (laughs) and a new idea. And um, I love people and I love to make money. So like all these things are really detrimental to someone who needs to stay grounded. Um, So we started by creating together, my husband and I, what we called a priority clarity statement. Mm. And I think people say, well, my family is my priority or this is my priority. What we like to do is go, in this season of our lives, what area do it, that's really important to us is the most off? And we need to get it right. And we write out the clarity. So, like, what does that mean? What is it we're trying to right. honor? And what would be to dishonor it? So when this happened, we sat down and we made a priority clarity statement. And had great specificity that we were done working at 3 p.m., that we, um, we had people working in our home, but we, everyone had to leave at 2.45 before the kids came home from school. That we didn't work on the weekends. That every contract I negotiated, we would decline the contract if it was required of me to do a certain number of appearances. I would only do two appearances a year. Um, that we would only do a certain number of projects. That I would only do one, what we call big thing, mm-hmm. a month. And a big thing might be to travel and speak, a big thing might be to just stay home, but I'm I'm going deep into research. That's a big thing that takes me away. Mm-hmm. So we agree we would only do one big thing a month that would take less than like three or four days. Mm-hmm. Um, we had very specific policies on our children and, and each other. We had policies around dates. We had policies around conversations, money, um, everything. And a lot of it was things was like, wow, that's going to be hard. But this... What would be a lot harder is not being with you and not having this.
4: And that's where you started implementing these kind of rules, let's say, of yeah. like, I'm only gonna work until three. Yeah. Um, how did you then weigh your options? Because I'm sure, for someone that's used to working 90 hours a week, right, and in your head it's like, but if I don't work this much, I can't get the empire I'm trying to build. If right. I don't do this, how did you weigh those options of yeah. like, it probably did slow your business down, I assume. For sure, yeah. Um, how did you emotionally work through that? Yeah. Because it's something that I know
7: a lot of people deal with, and especially even myself. Yeah. So once we had this, which I recommend people do, like create a priority statement in writing because every time an opportunity presents itself, you're like, well, this once. Mm -hmm. Well, this isn't going to happen again. You know, I'm only 25 once or, you know, we're only going to be in France once. Like you think these things like, well, and if we do this now, then later. So once we had a statement, it was, and I'm a yes person, it was so easy to go and read the clarity statement Mm and go, oh, It doesn't fit it's so easy to say thank you so much for thinking of me but unfortunately i can't and until then every decision felt like a yes and so i had to say what's more important my career what is important to me and it was in writing you know because i i know i knew what it felt like to almost lose all that Mm -hmm. and i I can lose my business, take all my money away, take my car, take, take it all away. I can, I can build it back because I believe in myself. I believe in bun, abundance. Like it, my, the blessings are so abundant, they just keep raining down too much for me to deal with. i got to give them away. So that's one thing I don't need to worry about. But what I do need to carefully covet and protect is my time because I can't get more of that. Mm. And once we had the statement, it was like, wow, I know why I'm saying no. You know?
1: So, we didn't used to be very good at this. We used to talk business and work 24 7. That was just what we did. Um, and we kind of the same had the realization that we need to be able to leave work at the office sometimes and really not have that conversation. So, we have a full cut off at normally 7 pm and we just hold each other accountable to that. So, mm-hmm. if he's talking business, I'll say, I'm not available for this and if if i'm doing the same he'll say the same thing and it's about really respecting that mm. i i love business so sometimes he can he can like say something to me and i know it internally i want to get excited about it and talk about it but it's just not good for my health to to be doing that mm. and so i will just vocally say i am not available to talk business can you write this down or text it to me and i'll see it in the morning god sorry i don't mean to interrupt you but i want to know how you do that so yeah.
4: you love it because it's not even like oh my god it's another drain I you love freaking it. love it but you know it's not good for your health. So how on earth, in those moments, do you say your health, your health, your health? Like, how do you separ- How do you stop? Because if you love it, why wouldn't you do more of it?
1: Yeah, because it's just that thing. I could just do it. For- I could do it all the time. I could do it forever. But just knowing that, I just feel like marriage, health, like life outside of work and business, is so sacred and important that I try and remember that in that moment. Like, this can wait. Okay, this can wait. And that's when I'll say it. And he normally knows like, oh God, yeah, like I, I feel the same way, I overstepped that or vice versa. Mm. And we'll literally just write it down or he'll text it to me that I'll see the next day cause I won't be on my phone. That's also another thing, so we have phones away, which was also really, really hard. I had so much FOMO about what was going on in Slack and emails and all that stuff, and we just put phones away. That's been really, really good for us. Um, And then we also, so we have an Asana, you know, Asana? Yeah. So we actually have a joint Asana for both of us. For your relationship? That's amazing. (laughs) Can you just explain for people in case they don't know what Asana is? So Asana is a project management tool that helps you manage your projects, your business. So we use it at BossPay for all the different projects and departments that we have going on, and it's so great. And so we decided to set up our own Asana, where we would put our tw- like we put our goals in 2019, 2020 goals, like our joint finances, how we're going to invest our money, what does that look like, what are our, what are our house goals, like all the different things. Ah. And because all, like you and Tom are the same, we see everything as a team. Like mm-hmm. you know everything that we do as team, everything financially pulled together, we invest together, we do everything together as a team. It's never him or me. Mm. It's never you did better that month or you did better. It's, that's how it is. And so we sit together, we set those big goals. And so we know, okay, say it comes November and I've hit all my goals and Stephen's struggling with his. Okay, well, I can spend some of my time helping him with his because I've hit mine and things like that, even though we work in different industries. So that's one thing we'll put in there. We put in there little things like um we have a Sunday check in every single week, six PM, where we sit down and we talk about what the next week looks like. So that's In your
4: relationship what the next week looks like
1: everything. Okay. So it might be like um I might say i'm feeling really exhausted like i need this this week or i'm super excited this week i want to help you more with this or this how my calendar looks let's prep meals let's talk through all of that i'm going to cook on these days i'm not going to cook on these days so it's just done set we know what's happening we'll plan like a date night that kind of thing so we do that then we review all of our like expenses different things so really get on it with finances then we'll look in the asana so um we plan like we we try and do at least four vacations a year so all of those are in a sauna what needs to be done where are we going to go what are the different and we sometimes get excited about let's list all the countries we want to go to and we'll put it in there and we'll just pick them and plan trips so we put things like that in there and that's kind of we did intentionally say okay if we can have family systems like this now then when we have kids it probably is going to be easier mm-hmm. because the parents that I look at who have systems seem to run things a lot easier yeah so we're doing things like that but we really just try and see everything as a team so We do that. And then, yeah, in terms of boundaries, we both just have to be on board. And we talked about what our values are and it is beyond work. Like we really, really value that sacred time together. We value our personal growth outside of business. So we both love doing personal development work as well. And so it's about those values. And if you're, if one of your values is work, then that's okay to Mm. not have cut offs as well. So. I love that. Yeah.
4: Do you leave any time for the unexpected?
1: Yeah, we do. I would say pretty much all weekend. I never work weekends. Like, unless And you I don't have plan it.
4: So it's like, we're going to hang out, but we don't know what we're going to do. We'll just see how it goes. Yeah,
1: sometimes we'll plan a dinner or we'll say, like, let's do a hike or something at the weekend or we'll have a party. Um, but very rarely. It's mm. normally like very like last minute. And I, I love that. Yeah. Sometimes we just get in the car, put the top down, like drive, oh. see a view, like see an amazing view, put music on, find a brunch place. Like. Yeah.
2: One of my favorite boundaries is standing up for myself.
4: I want to hear more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's being assertive. Mm-hmm. It is knowing who I am, knowing my worth, and valuing that over, um, over what people might think and you know, people pleasing and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if I need rest, I'd hate to overcommit myself. I have a headache at the end of the day. Now I'm, you know, I'm doing all of these things to recover Mm -hmm. when I should have said no. Mm -hmm. What's the difference in your mind then between
4: assertive and aggressive? Because I find that it's such a fine line and I worry that I spill over too much into aggressive. And the second you do, I think, um, especially if you're in a debate or a discussion, Mm -hmm. um, I don't like to go over to aggressive
2: because then I think people then dismiss
4: your point. Mm -hmm.
2: So some very clear signs of aggression is yelling, screaming, name calling, demeaning. those are all aggressive. Um, typically, body sometimes body language trying to mm. you know stand over someone, intimidate them, those things can also be aggressive. Mm. Assertive is clearly stating what you want or need, being mindful of your tone mm. and trying to say it in the right setting.
4: Because, yeah, I try to be like, okay, don't, you know, be firm because mm-hmm. that's part of me. It's like, am I, I'm like, do I have the strength to say this out loud, right? Mm-hmm. Like the courage you build up. It's like, no, you know, you need to be assertive. You need to stand by what you believe in, everything that you're just saying. And then sometimes it comes out, I worry it comes out aggressive. But mm-hmm. I'm like, but I just said like, no, this is how it is. Like I try to be very succinct. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, that kind of like slow crossover or even just if the person receiving it
2: may perceive assertiveness for aggressiveness? So the perception is something we can't worry about. We can be very assertive and say, hey, I'm not able to come to your party. No one has been harmed. There have not been any explicit exchanges. I can't come to your party. And someone could say that was very aggressive for you to tell me like that. So there are times where we're not being aggressive at all. We're just naming what we can, can't do, what we're willing or mm. unwilling to accept. And people will say, you are being aggressive. Um, there has been a lot of, you know, conversation, think, think pieces about women being perceived as aggressive simply for being assertive. Mm. And that is true. And Black women being angry mm. by being, by being assertive. And so I think it's so important to, be aware of what the difference is. And I think with black women in particular, um, culturally, there is a way that we speak. You are a Greek woman. There is a way that you speak within your culture. And mm-hmm. for cultures outside of that, that might seem like they're yelling. And it's like, no, that's just how they talk. Or, you know, if I just say no, it's like, oh, she's aggressive. It's like, no, that's just... How we speak <laughs> yeah it's so true because my husband who is um you know
4: i come from a very good, a traditional greek background when he first met my family he was like everyone is so rude i'm like what yeah. my family is so loving i was like what do you mean rude mm-hmm. and he goes people keep talking over each other i'm like yeah that's what we do <laughs> and he's like <laughs> what But his perception of it was that we were just being rude. Mm -hmm. But it's like, oh, if you, if you want to get a word in in a Greek family, you're going to have to step on each other's words. Otherwise you will never get a word in edgewise. Mm -hmm. But like, like you said, the the difference in culture. So what do you, is it basically then that's just them. That's how they're going to perceive it. You need to be you. You don't need to worry about other people. You just have to focus on whether you are being aggressive or assertive.
2: That's some of it. But I think if you're talking about culture, some, some, some people are given a consequence for just mm-hmm. saying, well, I'm just being assertive, what? you know, in a corporate environment. It's like, hey, you can only be so assertive. You need a job. Mm-hmm. And so if that's just you being assertive, you may have to explain your behavior. You may have to be um, more considerate about how you say things. So there are times where, yeah, you you don't want to overthink the perception, but You know, there are things that will cause you to say I need to because my livelihood is dependent on how this could be perceived. So it's really important to understand that it's excellent where you could just be authentic and speak your truth. But there are some environments where people are not able to do that. And we have to consider that as
3: well. You know, I think boundaries in that situation are really, really important. Obviously, your kind of soft entry into it is. You know, I don't want to talk about food over food. That's kind of a rule that I have, right? So if you're sitting, I don't want to talk about food over food. If you want to continue the conversation after, I'd be happy to share a bit more after dinner. Let's just enjoy this meal, and then change the subject. How was the vacation you recently went on? Continuing to show up for social situations so that you remind them that the point of the situation is to enjoy this connection and the time together. It doesn't really matter what's on your plate. I think can be really, really important, but. If you get into a really serious situation where, like, your family is just not holding your boundary, they're continuing to pressure you, or, you know, every time you show up to dinner, there's absolutely nothing you can eat, despite your requests Mm. polite, you may just have to end up socializing with them outside of mealtime or outside of food, you know, maybe you meet to go for a walk or maybe you meet for a play or a movie or some kind of game night or something, but maybe food doesn't have to be the central focus and maybe that makes it easier.
4: Mm, Yeah, that's definitely something that I hear a lot of people talk about when they've either gone on the Whole30 or just other types of um, changes in their lifestyle, that they get that pressure where people just don't want to hear again because I think it reflects on how their eating habits are. And it's easier for them to dismiss you than it is to actually hear you. Um, But for me, being dismissed, missed as a trigger.
3: Oh, interesting. So when they, when you talk about your food with people or people who care about you and they react in a dismissive way, yeah. how does that make you feel? Yeah,
4: it, it basically then starts to, it, it used to, I've um, adapted and changed a lot, yeah. but very early on when I was like, okay, I'm gonna get healthy now. Look, I did not do it the right way, so I wanna be abundantly clear. Sure. Um, I didn't have the whole 30 to turn yeah. to at the time. But absolutely, like I had um, tried to explain, and I got the pressure, and I got, um, oh, you're just being ridiculous. Oh, here we go again, and it was constant. Yeah. And so it would start to stir anxiety in me and um, make me feel like I didn't want to be around the people that I love. Yeah. Yeah. That was hard. That's
3: where those boundaries come in, though, right? It's every time I come here, I feel like I'm getting so much pressure around the way I eat. I'm not gonna make a big deal out of it if you don't, but if you continue to behave like this, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be able to come over when it's mealtime. Yeah. And you know, then you have to actually hold that boundary because again, it's not in your highest interest to show up into that situation and what happens, you know, in your case, you may absolutely hold your boundary because you will get so ill if you don't. But for other people, often they will give in and eat stuff they don't wanna eat just to keep the peace. Mm. And if you're trying to turn these healthy habits into a lifestyle, you have to learn how to hold your boundaries in those social situations. If you keep letting people run you over, you're never going to accomplish your goals and like that's not real self-care.
4: So where's that fine line between holding your ground or just being stubborn and saying, you know what, you should eat the cake because you're with your family. You don't, you yeah. know, it you get this once a year, to be this restrictive actually doesn't serve you anymore. Where is that fine line? So that's
3: the entirety of the food freedom plan in life after your Whole30, because the program's not meant to be done forever, obviously, right? right? You transition it into your food freedom, But thanks to the Whole30, you have learned a lot about how this cake is gonna impact you. Mm. And if you know that you have a really serious gluten sensitivity or the sugar is gonna make you break out or get a migraine, it's very easy to say no because it really isn't serving you. And you would rather kind of hurt someone's feelings and say, I'm so sorry, but like that is not something I can enjoy because it's gonna make me so sick, it's not worth it. You know, I heard from a woman the other day who said, I've been to two birthday parties. Both times they had store-bought cake, both times I thought to myself, this isn't worth it. And for the first time in my life, I didn't eat it. Hmm. And I was so much happier for holding my boundaries, but also not feeling like poo for the rest of the party. You know? So it's not really a treat hmm. if it makes you feel like junk for the rest of the event if you're like me and gluten might make me a little bloated and like maybe I'll break out but you know it's my mom's cake and I only get it once a year it's gonna be worth it and I'm gonna eat it Mm. and these are the, the decisions that you get to make for yourself based on what you've learned from the Whole30 in your food freedom and you can be just as festive or celebrate just as easily with water in your cup or fruit salad on your plate. And I think it's really important for us to make a a mental disconnect between celebrating someone's life and over consuming sugar. Mm -hmm. Those things do not have to be inextricably linked
4: and the control aspect of knowing what is going to cause right by eliminating these things you know the results you know what's going to happen if yeah. you do yeah. so it's in your control yes. and that's one thing i remind myself of if i haven't you know if it's my husband's birthday or my birthday i'll be like yeah i'm going to eat cold stone today and i know what it's going to do exactly. to me and i know for the next two yeah. days i'm going to be in agony but yeah. i choose to do it because i know that in hindsight it's going to make me more happy having this one day of fun with my husband, then it will be for, you know, not having it. But it's a choice and
3: it's a conscious choice. Yes, that's exactly the point of food freedom. You know, there's no guilt, there's no shame. There's a consequence. And the only person who can decide if that consequence is worth it is you. And if that cold stone makes you so happy and you get to take that picture and you get to eat the ice cream <laughs> and you share this with your husband, you'll deal with the consequence. And that's completely fine. But it is an educated decision at this point, not a crapshoot, where you think you're going to eat the ice cream and be okay and then you suffer for two days and you're not sure why. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.